skill set that you need in this industry is certainly to be uh, agile, nimble, whatever those words are, but you have to be very good at multitasking. Uh, you also have to be very good at being self-managed, self-motivated. You know, most of us are not going into offices anymore. Most of us are working from home or really working from anywhere. There actually is a term that we're living at work. We're not working from home. We're living at work. Yeah. Uh, a little bit of a, of a take on it. So I think that I think that what you need to do is be able to be nimble and not wait for somebody to tell you what to do. You need to really take that initiative. You know what needs to be done. Just go ahead and do it. And sometimes ask for forgiveness, not for permission. So the multitasking is really something that, that you need to have. I would also suggest uh, patience. Yeah. Uh, many of the, many of the people in this industry uh, are impatient. You know, they're with a company two years, three years, and they expect to be promoted. You need to be patient. Uh, and I'm not saying if you're not being treated right, then you look look at jobs. But if you look at the 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 acceleration of job hopping, you know, with the great resignation that just happened, or uh, quiet quitting, or whatever that term is. Uh, you know, I think people. If they're with a company and they're being treated right, have patience and let their let their career sort of uh, marinate, if you will, uh, yeah. knowing when it's when it's the right right time time to move. What will you do to unlock innovation? In today's fast-paced world, innovation might not be enough. Tomorrow's pioneers of change will need to be agile, able to adapt, and committed like never before. Your host, Santa Vending, invites you to listen in and join business leaders from around the world as they share their visions for success in our future business challenges. Welcome to Mind Innovation. I'm your host, Santa Vending. Today, I have Walter Tobin. He's CEO, Executive VP of Electronics Representative Association, EIA. Tobin is an electronics industry veteran with more than 40 years of experience in sales, marketing, and corporate management positions. So welcome, Walter. I'm so happy to, to have you here today. Thank you, Santa. Great to see you after our uh meeting in uh, Electronica a couple of weeks yeah. ago in Munich. Great to see yeah. you. I, I think it's so funny because I always say it's like it, it's a big industry, but it's a small world because we all know each other. Um, and we've been connecting, right, um, through conferences and LinkedIn and then even at uh, Electronica. So it's right. I, I love it. So not yeah. everybody knows you. So if you can just give like a small introduction of, of who you are, I think that'll be a, a great way to start. Sure. Thanks, Anna. So I, uh, I have, a, have had a career in distribution, electronic components distribution. I spent uh, early in my career 15 years with Arrow. I spent 12 years with, with Pioneer Standard, which was eventually required by Arrow. I spent uh, almost 10 years with Future. And then uh, seven years ago, I joined ERA as the CEO. So my background has been in distribution, but uh, I find myself running ERA, uh, not having ever been a rep or not having ever been a manufacturer. And uh, trying to align the the three legs of the stool, if you will, the manufacturer, reps, and distributors. Yeah. Uh, I've enjoyed my time in the industry. Uh, uh, a proud Boston College graduate with a bachelor's and MBA, and a proud former U.S. Army captain. So uh, delighted to be here, and delighted to. Uh, I'm really honored to have uh, to, that you've asked me to be on this uh, podcast. So thank you. Oh, you're welcome. So let's let's talk about the whole industry because you know technology, right? It changes so fast. And I also think when we look just a couple of years ago, before the pandemic, we were you know in, in a certain speed, and then pandemic hit, and everything just had to you know disruption, um, and and that actually gave a, a big you know I don't know if you want to call it scar because there's also good stuff happening right uh, within the within the industry. 
So how, you know, the whole speed and, and how to keep up that development time, what, what have you seen that manufacturers are doing right now, the engineers, what, you know, what are they doing to keep up with this speed of, of development? Well, it's a great question. You know, the, the acceleration of change and speed in our industry is a challenge to all of us. And I think that most of the best-in-class manufacturers are making sure that, that the information on their website is not only accurate, but up-to-date and consistent. You know, the, the, with, the, with the Internet, most of us want instant gratification and instant answers, yeah. but they want instant correct answers. If you were going to American Airlines buying a ticket, you don't want to get uh, an answer that's you get a quick answer, but it's not right. So in some cases, uh, you know, you don't want to be transmitting bad information faster. You want to be transmitting good and accurate information. So I think what what best in class manufacturers are doing, they're posting uh, accurate and up to date information on their website so that design engineers that usually go into the, you know, the Internet at, you know, at night or after work. They yeah. get the accurate information up front, so they don't have to make a phone call, but also make sure that the information that's going to their manufacturer's reps, if they use a rep network, and their channel partners, if they have a distribution network, is the same. It's yeah. accurate, it's up to date, but it's consistent. So they're not getting, you know, 12 week lead time from the distributor, and they call, they look at the website of the manufacturer, and it's eight weeks. Yeah. Uh, or the rep has 10 weeks. You want to make sure that that's consistent. The other thing that they're doing is they're they're uh, they're really promoting and communicating, maybe under NDA, their product roadmaps. You know, if you have a device that's either going end of life or it's not recommended for new design, uh, you want to communicate that openly and honestly to your uh, reps and your distributors, and also to the customers. Some manufacturers struggle with how much information they put on their website because they don't want their competition to know. Yeah. So there's the there's the balancing act. How much do you hide? How much do you communicate? Because you don't want your competition or the event of life to a particular device and they can go get your business or it's not recommended for new design. So there's a balancing act uh, that the manufacturer has to make in trying to deal with the acceleration of of the of the uh, industry and the in the the quenching the thirst for accurate information uh, and make sure it's consistent. So that's really what. what what it the is. best in class manufacturer figured that all that out. Yeah, I, I want to challenge you because I I've been struggling, uh, if that's the right word, with the lead time, right? So even though I have a price book, and then as a manufacturer, right, communicating that, the different distribution channel or the partners they measure it differently, right? Somebody will actually take the time that is in that price book. Other was measuring and saying, no, right, when we placed the order, this was the lead time you gave us on this first order, so that's the one we're going to to put in and actually display on their website. So that one is had never been easy for me. Right. <laughs> um, to have that accurate information. Uh, but again, um, if you show it on your own website as a manufacturer or supplier, I think that's that that will be the mothership, right, of, of the information. But it's not been... Right, the, the question would be, why is, if I place an order as a distributor and I get the product part in eight weeks, but you're showing a six-week lead time, why is it why is it taking you eight weeks to get it to me versus six... First, so to try to reconcile all that is not an easy job, is it? No. No, it's not easy. And because the customers want, from the lead time, the customers want it tomorrow. Yeah. So that's why they come to distribution to satisfy that unforecasted demand inside a manufacturer's lead time. So that's a, that's a challenge in uh, how you keep all the information consistent, yeah. but accurate and up to date. Yeah, 
Yeah. But we're all in it. So that's, that's, it's not, I'm sure it's not we're just me. That's <laughs> why, that's why we have people in yeah. the companies. We're not just robots talking to robots. That's why you have people to manage the, the nuances of, of the information and maybe some of the slight discrepancies. Yeah, that's right. So that actually takes me to the next one I want to talk about because that's actually, you know, with the skill set, right? All the challenges that's going on in, in the industry. Um, there's been a talk about like, um, uh, like a shortage of, of talent. Um, so I, I want to hear, you know, your, your input, you know, what, what you've heard or seen. Well, it's a great question. The skill set that you need in this industry is certainly to be uh, agile, nimble, whatever those words are. But you have to be very good at multitasking. Uh, you also have to be very good at being self-managed, self-motivated. You know, most of us are not going into offices anymore. Most of us are working from home or really working from anywhere. There actually is a term that we're living at work. We're not working from home. We're living at work. Yeah. Uh, a little bit of a, of a take on it. So I think that I think that what you need to do is be able to be nimble and not wait for somebody to tell you what to do. You need to really take that initiative. You know what needs to be done. Just go ahead and do it. And sometimes ask for forgiveness, not for permission. So the multitasking is really something that that you need to have. I would also suggest uh, patience. Yeah. Um, many of many of the people in this industry uh, are impatient. You know, they're with a company two years, three years, and they expect to be promoted. You need to be patient. Uh, and I'm not saying if you're not being treated right, then you look look at jobs. But if you look at the 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 acceleration of job hopping, you know, with the great resignation that just happened or uh, quiet quitting or whatever that term is, uh, you know, I think people, if they're with a company and they're being treated right, have patience and let their let their career sort of uh, marinade, if you will, uh, yeah. knowing when it's when it's the right right time time to move. So I think the patience is another skill set. And I think that uh, I have a degree in marketing. I'm not a double E at all. Uh, but I think that people in the industry should have some sort of a basic knowledge of electronics for those non-technical people. Take a, take a basic electronics course, something I wished I had done years ago uh, to, to be able to take that fear out of uh, the electro, the, you know, the, the, the technical part of it, uh, of the, um, of the, the job. I think the issue of, of, of talent and talent shortage, I think that all of us need to be able to get the mindset to grow your own, to have homegrown talent, to be able to go to colleges and hire, hire new graduates out of college, to have some sort of an internship program. We all need to stop waiting for somebody else to train people and then go in and grab them and hire them away from a distributor or a manufacturer or a manufacturer's rep. Uh, we need to we need to homegrown our own people. It's yeah. it's timely, it's costly, but to develop your own bench, I think, is the way to eliminate the talent shortage. A lot of people are looking for talent. A lot of people are looking for sales talent, and we tell them, you know, if you're a manufacturer looking for sales talent, I tell them that the that the talent is hiding in praying sight. Manufacturers reps, uh, you've got manufacturers reps. I know that you use a, a rep model, but you know, a lot of the reps are there. They can take your product to market. So consider the manufacturer's rep model when you're looking for talent, sales talent. Yeah, that's a, a good way to, to expand on it. What about, mm -hmm. so, you know, I think a lot of companies are right, right? Uh, hiring, if they're hiring like new, new people in and they need to have the experience. So to have some kind of training programs and you touch on it a, a little bit, but that also requires a lot of effort to have that. But there's also benefits. So I just want to know if you've seen any best practices out there. 
Well, it's a great question. Uh, a lot of the, like to take the manufacturer's reps, they don't have formal uh, HR programs. They don't have formal training programs. They really rely on the technical training they get from the manufacturers. I know at ERA, we just we just implemented our own sales training for the second year in a row. Talk about the basics of, of sales training. Everybody's sort of relying on somebody else to do the training. Yeah. And yet you have a lot of people in this industry that have been in the industry carrying a bag for 10, 15 years that have never had any formal sales training. Yeah. It's, it's frightening, actually, when you think of it. Yeah. So I, I think that the need to do formal sales training needs to happen. The need to, to do some of your own self-training and not rely on somebody else to do the training. And as I said, uh, you know, stop trying to grab train people from somebody else. Because in many cases, you're just inheriting their own bad habits. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and maybe the culture, right? <laughs> maybe the culture. Exactly right. Yeah. That's also that. Um, something else I want to touch about is the, you know, the how we we manage our time. Um, and and I think if I just look at my calendar before the pandemic, right, I it was maybe easier to for me to to somebody outside of the company, outside of, of, of the company, you know, to get a meeting with me. But now I will really look at it to say, will it actually bring value? You know, do I want to have them as a virtual meeting or is it in person meeting? That that's also in, important to 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 talk about. But but I think it's I think it's getting it's been a little bit more difficult uh, to get you know to to be in person meeting. But but what have you seen on the on on your side? Well, it's interesting during the pandemic. You know, before the pandemic, video technology has been around for thirty years. And before the pandemic, if I said to you, "Hey, Santa, why don't we have a video call?" Knowing that your company, you have the video equipment in your in your in your company, I have the video equipment. You know, they fixed all the baud rate, the speed of the of the the line, so there's not a hesitation between the the voice and the and the picture. Yeah. All that's been yeah. fixed, but it would have been perceived as kind of creepy to <laughs> have a video call, uh, even though we all had it. The pandemic hit within 30 days. Everybody adopted video conferencing, Zoom, go to meeting, yeah. uh, whatever whatever platform you use. Yeah. Um, uh, the the interesting thing is as we were adopting the 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 video conferencing, which is in fact face to face. I mean, you and I are face to face right now. We're not in person, but it's face to face. Yeah. Um, we not only get used to it, Santa, but our customers get used to it. Our design engineers get used to it. So that in the old days, when I had it, I'd have to come in and see you and set up an appointment, and it may be not till a week from Thursday. Uh, you wanted the information right away. I, in some cases, can get easier appointments with you because they know it's going to be a 10 or 15 minute video call, uh, you know, a face to face call. Yeah. I may be able to make a, I certainly can make a buddy call if I'm a distributor with the rep or maybe get you on as the factory. We can do a three way buddy call without having to have people fly in and, and arrange a big meeting and whose schedule is what. So in some cases, getting an appointment with a customer, including a video call is easier because the customers have changed and they've changed forever. And sometimes we forget that. So the yeah. customers may realize that, hey, Santa, as much as I love to see you, you know, we can do a video call, you know, uh, every every couple of weeks and then come in and see me once a month and come in and see me once a quarter because we're doing face-to-face, -face, I'm sorry, face-to-face uh, -face all the time. What some people are missing is the in-person. But if I if I use my, my, my ace in the whole card to get an in-person meeting with you and after 10 minutes we're done, you can look at me and say, Hey, Tobin, you know, we could have done this on a, on a Zoom call. Yeah. 
So the next time I want an in-person meeting, you may you may uh, give me the Heisman and say, you know what, I don't have time. And so there's a balancing act between how you manage this medium, which is never going away. Yeah. Video conferencing is never going away versus the need for uh, in-person. And that's what everybody's kind of struggling with. Customers are struggling with it. Everybody wants to get back in front of the cut. I'm in front of you as a customer as much as I would be in person, but I can't I can't get the nuance. I can't get the body language. I, you know, you don't walk me to the lobby. Sometimes the best meeting is the meeting before or after the meeting. When you're walking me to the lobby and I'll say, Santa, how was the meeting? And I said, yeah, listen, you, you did a good job. Uh, the engineer liked you and hit. You know, you miss that. You miss that sort of uh, you know, after the meeting chit chat. But yeah. uh, so I think to answer your question, I think in many ways it's easier to get appointments if you manage the the media the right way. Okay. What about trade shows and conferences, right? Because they were hit, right? They were they all went virtual, and now you're seeing them coming back. Some of them are having both, so like a hybrid version. But I also have seen now for 2023 that they're taking away that hybrid version and saying you, it now it's actually in person. Right. So, you know, a lot of us went to the ECIA conference in October. It was, I think, I think they had record attendance. Everybody was dying to get back. We had, you know, EDS last May, uh, first time we've had it with a lot of people there. I think a lot of us are friends. We wanted to see each other in person. Uh, I know that uh, Electronica, the, the attendance was down a little bit, Electronica, but they still had 80,000 customers customers that went to the uh, went to the show and i know that you know we're planning our conference in february in, in austin texas we, we're going to have record attendance we'll have over 500 people we'll yeah. sell out again yeah. so i think that there is a uh, a demand for people to see each other again to get back in the issue of a hybrid conference uh you have to run two conferences to have a hybrid conference means you you manage a, an in-person conference and you manage a, a hybrid conference, it's very expensive because you're really putting on two conferences. And just the audiovisual piece, in addition to the in-person piece, can be very cost prohibitive. We've looked at it. Yeah. And it's uh, yeah. it's very it's it's cost prohibitive. You can't do both. It's yeah. it's physically, financially impossible. Yeah. Um what about I want to talk a little bit about marketing. So um with, with the rep, you know a sales representative or it could just be the salesperson right from from the manufacturer what what is it that a supplier you know what should they promote or provide of material also to distribution to be actually best in class or to be a really good communicator um, mm -hmm. of, of their of their service and, and their product but what have you seen well so what they need to do is not continue to have a one-size-fits-all so the, the the marketing department of a particular manufacturer puts together the slide deck because they've come up with these new products and they put the slide deck together and they send it out. Let's say they have a rep model. They send it out to the reps and say, I want you to go in and cha chain, you know, train all the reps. So the reps get trained and the reps go in and check the box. They go into the Arrow Avenue, DigiKey Future, you know, uh, all yeah. the distributors and give them the same slide deck. When in fact, if it's an auto, if they're pushing an automotive part, well, it's good in Detroit, but there's no automotive business in Boston or in Southern California. I'm just making this up. Uh, or if it's a space program, you want to go to, go to Florida for that. Yeah. So what you need to do is that the manufacturer needs to provide certainly accurate, timely, up-to-date, but customized training for each region. And that's timely and it's expensive. But don't come up with the same slide deck and go out 
and and have the have the the rep delivered to the distributor. Because at the end of the day, it's not it's not the, the manufacturer getting it to the rep, the rep getting it to the distributor. You want to get it to who? You want to get it to the customer. That's yeah. where you want the, the the technology to go. And sometimes that's where it falls off because they've changed the, they've changed the distributor. The other thing is before any training is done with a rep or with a distributor, the question should be asked a couple of weeks before the training. Hey, this is what we're going to talk about. We want each person to, to think about one customer that can use this technology so they afterwards make set up some buddy calls between the distributor and the rep to go into. So often they they give the stuff, they they do what I call the uh, spray and pray training. <laughs> they, they give it and they hope that something happens and there's no follow-up and there's millions of dollars, Santa, yeah. spent on developing this stuff and it's never a follow-up with the rep or the, with the distributor branch. And it's like everybody thinks it was a success, and then everybody wonders why there's no there's no sales because it wasn't product for New England. It was really product for the Midwest or for the or for the for Southern California, and that's what he, that's what needs to be done is make sure it's 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 applicable and timely and accurate for the region in which you're presenting it in. Yeah. Um. What about the the supply chain? Because that's been a rough couple of years for them as well, right? If you've been working there, right? Either you couldn't get components, you could get components, or you actually had to, you know, work with R&D or the engineers and saying, if you're working on new product development, you are not doing that right now, right? We need you over here to cross so we can actually push out our existing products. So what's, um? It, it's been really rough, but but what are you seeing? And I know you, you it's only your opinion, right? But what are you seeing for, for 2023? You know, what's what, what do you think is, is going to happen? Well, the supply chain was was stretched way too thin back before the pandemic hit. And this is an, an issue that we have in our industry. Nobody wants to have inventory on their balance sheet. Inventory, Wall Street continues considers inventory a dirty word. They want working capital tied up in buying new companies, buying buildings, uh, whatever it is. They don't want it sitting there as inventory. So someplace along the supply chain between the OEM customer and the the manufacturer. Let's say if you're if you're TI and and J Bill over here, someplace during this has to be inventory. Yeah, you can't you know because they're making everything. It's twelve week lead time. Customers have a lot of unforecasted demand, so they rely on the distributor. The distributor is getting all sorts of inaccurate forecasts from customers. If they if they're going through a contract manufacturer, the contract manufacturer wants to have as little inventory as possible. So they're relying on the distributor. So all of it comes down to distribution having inventory that's unforecasted that they should have it. And then when the distributor didn't have it, they say, everybody, the distributor, you should have had the inventory. Well, I'm getting forecasts from customers. I'm getting, which are inaccurate, the POs. I'm getting lead time from the manufacturer that's not accurate. How do you expect me to have inventory when, when both ends of the supply chain are plus or minus 20% wrong. Yeah. So that's what happened. What has to happen in the future, there has to be a, 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 a goal to have more accurate lead times from the manufacturer. And again, the challenge is many of them don't want to put accurate lead times in their website because they don't want their competition to see it. Yeah. You know, if my lead time on a device goes from eight weeks to 16 weeks, and I have a competitor that's making my, that's making the product and that, They're going to go up and make, hey, hey, you know, Tobin's lead time without 16 weeks. 
you should place the business with us. So I get all that. Yeah. But somehow there has to be some more disclosure, either either with uh, an NDA or some sort of a portal that you need a, a sign in. And then the, the forecast coming from customers are plus or minus 20% accurate because they get a lot of unforecasted demand from their sales force going out and getting new orders. Yeah. And they're saying, okay, it takes 12 weeks for me to build this blood gas analyzer. I'll give you the order if, if you can ship it to me in four weeks. So the sales team takes the order, brings it into the customer, say, I need, we need to ship these things in four weeks. So then they come to distribution for the unforecasted demand inside lead time. So the whole the whole supply chain, it it, it need Wall Street needs to give a break to primarily the publicly traded distributors to put inventory on the shelf and not force them to have inventory turns, 10, 11, 12 turns, because that's what Wall Street wants to see when the privately held distributors have inventory turns less than two. Yeah. That's where they, because they have the inventories. Wall Street's not looking over them saying, hey, you need to get your inventory turns up. So until that happens, Santa, we're going to continue to be, uh, to be ebb and flow with the, with the supply chain issues. Yeah. Everybody wants the inventory. Nobody wants to have the inventory in the P&L, but when they need it or they, they can't get it, they'll pay almost anything for it. Yeah. To have and it. in some cases, with a lot of the purchasing people measured on PPV, purchase price variance, they'll award the order to the, to the to supplier with the lowest price. Then when they can't get it, what's the value of the low price when you can't get the product? Yeah, doesn't matter. It's a crazy thing. That's just the loop. So let somebody to the left or right of you on the supply chain make a little bit more profit. Yeah. That'll no. never happen, but that's what should happen. <laughs> Um, what about the whole, you know, with new product development? Because that slowed down, right, over the, in in the pandemic. How have you seen, you know, that picking up again, or is that still in like in really slow motion right now? Oh, I, I, I don't, I, I don't think the new product development slowed down at all. I think that there was, there was people are continue. I mean, if you Electronica, most people were announcing a tremendous amount of new products. Uh, now, maybe that was as after the pandemic. We were so focused on supplying shortages, but I think quietly, most of the leading edge manufacturers were also working on tomorrow's product because they knew this was going to end. You know, there's a saying, you want to skate where the puck is going. Yeah. I think a lot, of the, a lot of the new product continued to be developed. I think most of the customers weren't focused on them developing new product. They were so busy trying to, trying to provide demand and getting their existing product out the door. Yeah, uh, but I think I think you're going to see a tremendous amount of, of resurgence of new products uh, being developed. I, so I think 20. I didn't answer your question before. I think 2023 is going to be a lot of NPI, a lot of new product being developed. I think as we've seen bookings tail off a little bit uh, in the fourth quarter. You know, as bookings tail off, the billings will follow. I think that you know most people when they look at 2022 will have record years. Yeah. Even though everybody's struggling, how was your business? Had a record year. I mean, it's 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 almost counterintuitive, Santa. Had a record year with all the problems. I think twenty twenty three is going to be a different year. Yeah. I think we'll be challenged. Um, I think the volume might might settle down a little bit in the first half. Hopefully, it'll come back in in second half of the year. Who knows if we're going to go to go into a recession? Some people think we're in it now, uh, but I don't. I don't think that's the case. I mean. What industry would you rather be in than electronics? It's all over the place. Yeah. You know, so I think it's going to be a, 
I think it's going to be another good year. Maybe not the same kind of year as 2021 and 2022, but I think 23 is going to be a good year. Yeah. Um, thank you. I, I also want to talk a little about like habits, right? Because you have B2C, right? So if I'm shopping, right? And looking and buying um, and I have my, my e-commerce habits, um, is that going, is, is that, have you, have you seen that reflecting or actually touching the habits of a B2B customer? Is there, yes. it, yeah. Can you talk right. about so I think a lot of the a lot of the customers, you know, primarily, I don't know how much B 2 B is going on between the big customers and direct, you know, with the manufacturers direct. That's that's a world I'm not privy of. I know that most of the customers have online uh, communications, doing you know B 2 B work, you know, downloading their their MRP into the distributor's portal, getting accurate lead time, getting updates. From the distributor, you know, most of the distributors have dedicated teams for supply chain. Uh, so I think that will continue to evolve as we're trying to take um, the human touches out of the supply chain because that's costly. But I think so. I think most of it, you know, 75, 80 percent will be automated. It's that 25 percent that rears its ugly head. And we there's an oops is when you need to have the uh, have the the individual, the person, the expert step in and try to fix that. So I think that will continue to evolve as, um, you know, the different uh, purchasing, automated purchasing uh, APIs uh, continue to to, uh, to be pervasive. I think that's going to continue to grow and yeah. become more and more automated. Yeah, which is right. We're working smarter than instead. I think that's, that's correct. Let's get, that's correct. get rid of right. the L sheets, right? <laughs> Make it right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um okay so if you have to give yourself an advice like 10 years ago if you're looking back what what kind of advice would you would you have given yourself uh that's a great it's a, another great question i think looking back on my career i wish i had taken a basic electronics course um i never did I'm, i tell people i have a double e it's english and economics uh <laughs> <laughs> I'm not technical. I've, I've been I've managed to develop a little bit of a technical awareness in my years in distribution and my years in the industry. But once once I get to a certain point, you know, then I okay, then I'm I'm done. You got to get an engineer involved. I think I think everybody should take a basic electronics course. Uh, there used to be a course years ago, the nuts and bolts of electronics. I wish there was somebody that probably exists. I don't know that they that they do that that offers a you know to somebody who's non technical. A basic electronics course you could take online, you could take it, you know, on demand, uh, pay for it certainly. Yeah. But to, to be able to, to to be able to take the fear away from people like me that they can they can engage up to a certain point technically, and then after that point, call the engineer in. But I think it will give people a lot more confidence uh, in their technical ability to be able to talk to an engineer rather than have to keep relying on the the rep engineer or the manufacturer engineer or the distributor FAE to come in. That would be the advice I would have given myself 20 years ago. Take a basic electronics course. Yeah. Would okay. be what I what I wish I had done. Yeah. Yeah. And and I'm amazed now if you just go to, you know, just to YouTube, right? You can find everything. It's, it's uh, just to begin with as well. So that that could right. all just start there, right? Right. Um, exactly. Find, find one that explains it so you understand it. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> Yeah, great. So if, if there's any of the listener that wants to reach out to you, how, how can they connect with you? Well, um, my email is uh, pretty easy. It's wtobin at era.org. Uh, would love to uh, hear from anybody. My cell phone, 617-901-4088. Out of town, call collect. 
uh, and uh, would love to hear from anybody. I, I, I love the industry. It's fed my family uh, uh, for my whole career. It's a great industry. And uh, I'm delighted, Santa, that you had me on the podcast. You're one of the, the new breaths of, breaths of fresh air and excitement in our industry. You've sort of taken our industry by storm, <laughs> and uh, which is a good thing. And uh, anybody, feel free to reach out to me at anything at any time. And uh, I'll give you a, uh, uh, a, a quick answer. Hopefully it'll be the right answer, but uh, would love to chat with anybody. Awesome. And I'll make sure to put it in the show notes and also on the episode page on, on mindinnovation.com. So if you didn't get the phone number, you will <laughs> you will see Perfect. it. So, well, thank you so much. I think it was a blast to have you and actually get your insights as what's going on and also, with, you know, with your industry knowledge. Um, and I love your advice. I tell you, I think that's, you know, you have to start somewhere, right, um, as well and just get a little bit more technical. I think that's that's the best advice you can get. Right. Well, Santa, thanks for having me on and a great happy holidays to you and your family. And uh I look forward to chatting and seeing us. Uh, see you in April. I'm uh, see you in February in Austin, Texas, at our ERA conference. A little selfish plug for the ERA conference yes. in Austin, Texas. That'll be you good. Know. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thanks, Santa. Cheers. Thanks for listening to this episode of Mind Innovation Podcast. New episodes are dropping bi-weekly, so make sure you're following wherever you get your podcast. You can find me on LinkedIn, search for Santa Vending. You can also find me on YouTube, search for Mind the Innovation, or go to my website, sanavending.com or mindinnovation.com. Stay curious, keep learning.